0: Welcome back to Blake's Take. I'm Blake Neiman, and I'll give you my take on local and national sports from the Willamette Valley and beyond. Hope you all are having a great Thursday. Get right on into the week and into the weekend. And so we had some great sports action over the past couple of days, so let's get right into it. Starting off with some college football. It's a little bit late to make the announcement, but just to remind you all, Devontae Smith, Alabama wide receiver, won the Heisman Award last year. First wide receiver to do it since 1991. Smith becomes the first wide receiver to win the first uh, receiver to win the award since 91-91 when Desmond Howard won it. Who's now an ESPN analyst? Shout out to him. Smith became the third Alabama player to claim college football's most prestigious award and the first receiver to win it since Michigan's Desmond Howard in 1991. Smith beat out three other finalists, all of whom were quarterbacks: Alabama's Mac Jones, Clemson's Trevor Lawrence, and Florida's Tri- Kyle Trask. Smith won the award with 100 1,856 points. Lawrence was second with 1,187. Jones was 1,1330, and Trask was 737. Despite standing at a slight 6 foot 1 and weighing only 175 pounds, Smith became the best wide receiver and most accomplished player in college football. He leads the FBS in receptions with 105, receiving yards with 1641, and receiving touchdowns with 20. He has dropped only 2 passes all season. Smith was hungry for more, though with him stating that two main reasons I came back to, to came back to Alabama was to get my degree and win a national championship, he said. I checked one box and now it's time to check the other. So great accomplishment for Devontae Smith. He had a great speech thanking everyone back home and everyone at Alabama who helped him and just everyone who made him the person he am today and gave motivation out too. If you're small or undersized and you're not the biggest and you're not the strongest, don't give up and always dream big. And your dreams, if you keep working hard, well, they will come true as long as you stick with it. So great message from him and what a great Heisman winner we have in our hands and I look forward to what he will do against the Ohio State secondary on Monday so that'll be fun to see as far as other college football news in the runner up of the Heisman race we had Trevor Lawrence declare for the long-awaited NFL draft Lawrence went 34-2 and as a starter and made three straight college football appearances, threw for over 10,000 yards in his career, and produced a total of 108 touchdowns in just three seasons at Clemson. Lawrence led Clemson to a national championship in 2018 as a true freshman, finishing second in the balloting of the Heisman then. He was instrumental in the Tigers winning three straight ACC championships and advancing to the college football playoff. Playoff In each of the last three seasons, Clemson also played for the national title in consecutive campaigns, even though it lost in 2019 to Joe Burrow in LSU. Lawrence leaves behind a powerful legacy as a player who not only helped Clemson win its third national title, but also gave voice to those who wanted to play the game. He's often one of the first names to be mentioned among the college football's best players and bearing something unforeseen in the next few months, he's likely to hear his name called first by NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell on NFL Draft Night. I am very, very happy to hear that Trevor Lawrence is declaring for the NFL Draft. I can almost guarantee you that he's going first to the Jaguars. But you never know, but I assume he is. And just an incredible young man that we have on our hands and just the impact he had in getting us to play this year in college football. He was a huge voice there and a huge voice in the social injustice movement. He's just been a great impact player in college football, and I look forward to what he can do in all sports and especially in the NFL and what kind of voice and what kind of leadership he can bring there. Great career, Trevor, and I look forward to your future. As far as NBA, we finally are going to give some legitimate statistics and realistics of what it's going to take to get the Supersonics, a.k.a. NBA expansion, back. There are a few problems that we need to solve and conflicts that need to be addressed. NBA expansion is fundamentally a financial decision. If the league were to add two more teams at 2.5 million billion dollars expansion fee, if it, if it wants to get an expansion done, $166.7 million infusion of cash to help offset all the revenue lost during the current pandemic, that $5 billion windfall would be roughly 58% of what the league took in during their entire uninterrupted 2018-19 season and it would come with no associated short-term cost. Players wouldn't see a cent of that money. Expansion is not in- Im- imminent, though. It is probably isn't even likely. But Commissioner Adam Silver has acknowledged that it is a possibility. And if the league acts upon it, it, sh- it will do so p- purely for the financial purposes and not for the players. It wouldn't be a basketball decision, but it would be a major basketball ramifications. We've covered the financial side of the equation in depth here, but we must address the on-court consequences of adding teams. So with expansion back in basketball world's consciousness, we must address what those basketball consequences would be and what decisions for the NBA needs to be made before it can consider moving forward in such a large plan. For competitive and logistical reasons, the Eastern and Western Conference need to be balanced, with the same number of teams that need to play in each of them. Depending on which markets the league chooses for its theoretical expansion slots, that might never become a problem. But things get dece- des- things get worse if the league picks to the two current favorites, Seattle and Las Vegas. Neither is a geographic fit for the Eastern Conference, but adding both the teams to the Western Conference would create an imbalance of teams in the league. Here's how this schedule would look. NBA teams would play 82 games against only partially defined set of opponents. They play 30 interconference matchups, two against each opponent. This leaves 52 games. Four each for played against the other four teams in their division, and the remaining 36 are divided among the 10 remaining teams in their conference. That allows them to play 16, six teams four times and the other four three times. Now let's talk some more money. Now, t- t- No two cal- salary caps are alike. The league is constantly adding new sources of revenue, and each new CBA changes the formula on which cap is based. But the simplest of terms, expansion lowers the salary cap. The cap is determined by projecting the following season's revenue and dividing the total percentage accumulated for the salary cap, approximately 44%. Among the existing teams, divided by 32 creates a smaller number than dividing by 30. Each team would get a smaller size of the theoretical pie. As far as the draft would go, there is no clear defined rule as assigning draft picks to expansion teams before they've played any games. It is done at the commissioner's decision. The the Grizzlies back in uh, when they first started had the number six overall pick, the Raptors was number seven, and the Bobcats had number four. Perhaps a potential ownership group could try and get a higher dra- buy a dra- higher draft pick with a bigger expansion fee, but ultimately this is the easiest piece of the draft puzzle that they could solve. So very complicated, as you just heard, to get an expansion deal done. It was a lot easier a long time ago, but now with the revenue stakes higher and the pandemic involved, it is a lot harder to get a deal done as you just heard with all the conflicts and problems that go into it. But Co- Commissioner Adam Silver has acknowledged that it is a possibility, and so, but the possibility could only be made, especially with their main focus on Western cities like Seattle and Las Vegas. They would have to move teams like New Orleans or Memphis over to the Eastern Conference. So, it would be some massive changes and some massive money spent. If we had an NBA expansion, but it would be great entertainment. So we'll see how it turns out and see if that actually occurs. But now you know what all has to go into it. So you're not just, oh, we need the Supersonics. A lot lot more goes into it. As far as local sports, the Ducks fell into a close battle against the Buffs last night in the basketball game. With the number 17 Ducks falling. The Ducks lost to the Buffs 79-72 in their close, close battle going back and forth trying to get that straight win on their winning streak that they've had. Chris Dower gave the Ducks a fighting chance in this game with 27-6, and six, while Eugene Omarihi followed him with 18-6 and six of his own. However, the lack of rebounds by the Ducks cost them this game, with the Buffs' starters each having 10 rebounds with which each led to 4 of their starters to score over double figures in this game scoring double figures by many of the starters and 4 of them going for double figures and 2 of them going for a double double so great performance by the Buffs which outboarded and outscored the Ducks in both halves just by a small margin in the first half but a larger one in the second so very unfortunate loss for the Ducks in this game It. Unfortunate to see a highly ranked number 17 Ducks go down, but we'll see where they end up in the rankings and we'll see how they bounce back because we are, all know that they're most likely going to be a top competitor there in Pac-12, that's for sure, and are going to work their way to the NCAA, double, NCAA tournament. So we'll see how it turns out for the Ducks. So thank you for tuning in to another episode of Blake's Take. I appreciate all your support on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and or YouTube. And I will see you all tomorrow. Have a great rest of your night.